Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst for Kentucky. Joined, as always, by 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And wow, what a great time to be a FAU Owl or a fan of the Owls. Drew, great weekend in the big city. The Big Big Apple is what they call it. And Drew, you got an up-close and personal look at some history. The first ever tournament appearance for Florida Atlantic. Now they're playing in their first ever Final Four. Your expectations when you booked your tickets to go see Florida Atlantic play in New York versus leaving New York to come back to Florida and the Owls are still in this tournament. They got a chance to win the whole thing. Uh, Expectations. I mean, well, we had our return flight booked for Saturday morning. So when they won on Thursday night, um, you know, it was all hands on deck uh, in terms of trying to find a new flight. And I mean, when they won, um, just the Nirvana of being in Madison Square Garden, being with, a ton of FAU fans. Like, I don't think we really knew how to react. I mean, like people just poured out into the concourse and it was like, Oh my gosh, did that, that really happen? And then it was kind of a, uh, kind of the same thing on, on Saturday night. Um, I have experienced you know, big college football games. I've experienced NHL playoff hockey, you know, golf tournaments, just world baseball classics, various different sporting events. Um, but being, but tournament basketball is, I don't know, it's something else. If you're if you're invested emotionally, I mean, you're living and dying with every bucket. And I think the coolest feeling about being at FAU's two two wins over the weekend in in New York was once you realize like, oh my gosh, they're they're gonna win this thing. Like I can't I can't describe that feeling um, when you realize like they they can really do this. So it was awesome. I'm ready to cheer on FAU. Um, I've never been more proud of my life to say I went went to the commuter school in Boca Raton. So it's a, it's a changing of the guard and it's cool to see uh, the national media kind of, kind of write about FAU and, and and tell their stories and all that stuff. So um, I wish I w- wish I was going to be in Houston, but that's not going to happen. Last question before we get to some football. I mean, how are you feeling with FAU going into the final four? Do you feel like, all right, we've gotten this point. We have a legitimate shot on winning this thing. I think so, but even in, even if you know they don't get a chance to play for the national title on Monday night, like mission accomplished. I mean, this this program was never supposed to be here. I mean, they've got more Final Four appearances now than than Gonzaga, and um, you know FAU needed uh, a a. I mean, I've been following this program and and whatnot since I went to school thirteen years ago. Like they needed a, a rallying cry and. Um, the alumni buy-in all of a sudden is through the roof. Um, and I, I think it doesn't really matter what happens. I, I think they could beat San Diego State. Um, I know they would love a shot at the University of Miami uh, on Monday. I mean, if you go to FAU and, and Miami's down the road and uh, Miami 
in FAU played two years ago and Miami won by two points in, in Boca. So I think they can do it. We'll, we'll see what happens. But even if, even if the run comes to an end, I, I think I still think it's mission accomplished. You know, all right, we're, we're fans of FAU for the rest of the Gotta week be. here. Gotta on be. the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We're riding with the other half of the Oyster Boys. And, guys, before we get into it, make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify podcasts. Make sure to, to excuse me, make sure to leave a review as well. Knocking off the rust here, uh, as we see. But, Drew, busy weekend in the landscape of college football recruiting. And we'll start in the Big Ten with the Ohio State Buckeyes, who are on the move. Land a pair of brothers, one interior offensive lineman, one offensive tackle. That is Devontae and Deontay Armstrong, and two guys that I think we're pretty familiar with from our time, just kind of talking over and making sure that we wanted to get figured out in terms of the rankings. But both these guys, in-state products, uh, we talked with Mark Pantoni, assistant AD of player personnel at Ohio State a couple of weeks ago, and it kind of fits into what he talked about in the current landscape of NIL and how Ohio State was going to want to reel it back in and kind of get back to their Midwest roots a little bit. They don't have to go far here for two really talented brothers. Drew, your initial takeaway on the Armstrong brothers to Columbus. I think this is uh, – you brought up Pantone. Um, This is what Ohio State – wanted to do and I, I just think having known the national landscape in terms of what what we have found so far at offensive tackle and, and up front like this is a big get for the Buckeyes this is two developmental prospects with I, I think high ceilings um, you know the floor might be a little low right right now uh, but if they hit uh, on the two twins this could be massive and in a year where you know there doesn't seem to be a lot of premier corner protectors out there going and, and getting two in-state prospects committed, I think it's a I think it's a massive deal. Like I, I think if you're you know your your average season ticket holder for Ohio State, you're like, all right, these are two three stars. Um, we'll see where the Armstrongs finish in in the rankings, but just having a good grasp of what's out there, this is big, right? I don't know if Ohio State was going to go down into um, the South or, or, or other, other sections of the country um, and pull some national talent. So maybe they still will, but you know, getting, you, you got to take multiple offensive linemen every cycle. Uh, and I like these two Coop. I, I, I don't know about you. Um, you know, w- w- what do you think in terms of, of just two bodies? Cause it's hard to take twins. Like it's hard, right. You know, it's kind of normally you got the same thing. So some, some schools are, are, are a little opposed to it relative to the market i think it makes a lot of sense i mean we, we've come on the show and we kind of talked about how diluted the tackle pool is nationally for ohio state and you look at the job that they've done even in the, this upcoming nfl draft i mean paris johnson dewan jones two guys that are going to be selected in day one day two of the nfl draft so i think what they're getting i think when, when you look at Devonte armstrong this is a guy it, it's interesting to me that you have two brothers who are very different physically i mean <laughs> yeah, you have right. Devontae armstrong who's at six four and a quarter 247 in in, in uh, 2022 so he is sure to have grown uh, quite a bit from that time but deontay armstrong at the same event a shade under six foot six uh with almost an 84 inch wingspan so these guys are different in terms of the way that they're physically built I thought Devontae, uh, who, if you're keeping up with us here, Devontae, the interior lineman, was further ahead on the field than his brother. I thought Deontay, the tackle, had more upside in terms of projecting to Sunday. So I like both of these guys, and I think that's, you know, we've seen Deontay at the left tackle spot. We've seen Devontae at the uh, left guard spot. I think he's got some center guard versatility, uh, but I like I like these takes for Ohio State. I think they make a lot of sense. And listen, when, you, when you're splitting hairs, I think it makes a lot more sense to gravitate to the guys that are a little bit closer to home, that you have more information on, that you feel better about those relationships, and you know what you're getting. And that's a lot about what Mark Pantone talked about. So I like this fit for Ohio State on both these cats. And I can see these guys three to four years really outperforming their their grade projection right now because the physical clay is there. They just got to get up to speed in terms of what Ohio State has done with offensive line development. That You really can't argue uh, with the direction that they went here. 
Ohio State number six in the rankings right now. Uh, you, you brought up Devontae, Deontay, one of them, Devontae, the interior guy. He starts at left guard there for St. Ed, uh, at St. Edwards High School. Excuse me. Deontay's the tackle. Uh, the, the measurements were interesting, Cooper, because I was I pulled those up as well. I'm like, one, one baby was definitely bigger than the other, uh, stealing, stealing some milk. But they're both under 250 pounds this time last year. <laughs> you, you read some reports on, on buck, nut, buck nuts, and it seems like they're a little bit heavier. Um, but, I, I know, I, you would think – best football ahead for both of them. So uh, I agree with these. I like these. It makes way more sense. These two takes after having Pantone on the podcast, um, Ohio state going to try to secure their borders um, and, and keep guys home if they can. And uh, I think it makes sense just given what we know about this 2024 class so far. Nice little boost for Ohio state. Also a nice little weekend for Ole Miss Lane Kiffin in the rebels get on the board. Three commitments for Ole Miss, and I want to start at the top, Drew, with a guy that we really like and I really like individually, defensive lineman Jeffrey Rush out of Pascagoula. And this is a guy we got to see in Atlanta, one of the best defensive linemen in the country. We bumped him up in a big way in the last 2024 top 247 update, Drew. But, you know, the job that we're going to talk about this, the job that new defensive coordinator Pete Golding has done on the recruiting trail in such a short time, it's been notable to me. I, I really like this kid in terms of Jeffrey Rush. I mean, you're talking about a guy under six foot two. He's 265 pounds. You know, he he checked in with 35 and a half inch arms. I think you and I and, and, and the rest of the team uh, have acknowledged that there's a little bit of skepticism around the most recent uh, arm lengths. But in terms of that, he's still got a six foot nine wing. He was sub 4.8 on the 40 at 265. He had a really elite shuttle time as well. Eight sacks last year in Pascagoula, but I love this guy's versatility in a 3-4 defense. He is long for being uh, under six foot two. I think he's still got a lot of room to grow, but the quick twitch, the explosiveness, the bend, I would say the short area quickness and the change of direction for his size is pretty elite. This is a guy to me that I would not be surprised if he continues to work up boards because I think a lot like the Armstrong brothers we talked about, the physical clay for him is there to continue to ascend into that ceiling. That being said, I've already loved what he's put on tape, uh, and I think this guy is a plus-plus player for Ole Miss, and this is where they need to get better. They need to get better at the point of attack on the defensive line. This is a huge gift for Ole Miss. I think what's notable about Jeffrey Rush here, Cooper, and I'm going to tie this in big picture, is – these are the guys that are hard to get out of the transfer portal, right? You know, front seven uh, players that can bring some juice, you know, from the inside, from the outside. You put on Jeffrey Rush's junior tape, eight sacks for Pascagoula uh, High School there. And he's working mostly on the outside. Uh, you know, I, I think he probably shifts more into the interior, already 265 pounds, but he fits what that Pete Golding wants to do on defense, right? They're going to run multiple fronts. You know, it's going to be a lot of three, four looks. Um, and Rush is a guy that you can um, – it's almost like you're drafting him, right? And then you're going to develop him. He's going to be part of the program. Uh, so I think that's that's big. Uh, we, we know transfer to the SIP, right? That's what Lane Kiffin always says. And they've been so active in that transfer portal. But after this weekend – Ole Miss, already six high school kids committed. Well, one of them is a junior college individual, but they're number 19 in the rankings. Last year, uh, only 15 high school or junior college um, rankings or, or, or signees, excuse me, for Ole Miss. So I'm just interested to see, is this a shift in philosophy or are they trying to get aggressive right now, parlay what they did on the field this past season uh, and take what they can? It's a talented state. I mean, you go back and, and we're going to talk about the the teammate of Sunthereen Perkins, one of the best players in the country that Ole Miss ended up keeping home last year. But you have to keep those guys home if you're Ole Miss right now. And, and no offense to Zach Arnett and Mississippi State, but it's a new situation for him. He's still trying to build his credibility in Starkville. So if there is a time to pounce for Ole Miss and the Rebels, it's when their head coach is coming off a year where he just signed – uh, a new extension and stability in the foundation is in place for years to come in Oxford. But Drew, the teammate of Sunterine Perkins, or Sunterine Perkins, excuse me, that's not correct. <laughs> teammate of Dante Dowdle, Oregon signee. Man, you, you can tell it's a Tuesday show. Running back Chris Davis, 
Hey, Drew, before we move on, I got to go back real quick. Why don't you tell the people, Pascagoula, hometown of who? Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. You like that? That was that written, in the- in, the, that, that was written <laughs> in the rundown. Uh, I missed it the first time, but I had to get it in there for well, I, yeah, you. Because when I, we were at Under Armour Atlanta, I was going to tell you that when you know he was on the roster, but I, I just totally forgot. So this was the perfect time to to kind of slip it in there, talking about Jeffrey Rush. Um, what do you call? What do you call Jimmy Buffett fans? Parrotheads. Parrotheads. I was about to say parakeets for whatever. Par- parrot parakeets and offspring of a parrothead. <laughs> there you go. All right. Chris Davis, running back out of Picayune, same school as Dante Daddle. Forgive me, folks, on here. Patag flag early in the day. Number These 61. Are, this is your state. You shouldn't, you can't mess this up. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm mixed up. I'm not in my I'm not in my home office back in Birmingham You're I'm good. in Covington right now. I'm all over the place. But undersized utility, change of pace back. And this is a guy, even with Oregon signing Dante Dattle in the backfield, like we've mentioned multiple times already, still averaged 8.8 yards per carry, had over 1,000 yards rushing, 15 touchdowns. Also contributed on defense as well, helped pick you into a 15-0 record in the Mississippi 5A state championship. So Chris Davis, Drew, I have to say, as you mentioned, Mississippi is my state, my territory. This is a guy that we kind of went back and forth on. We had on the discussion sheet. We wonder how high do we go with him. He's interesting, right? Because you look at the build, he's only 174 pounds. The play speed to me is the hardest part to kind of navigate, the play speed versus the time speed, because there are some time speed metrics when it comes to Chris Davis. They don't blow you away, but they're adequate. They're good enough. And it kind of made me think of Quinshawn Junkins. Those two are very different players, right? But I know our question with Chris Davis and Quinshawn Junkins was a top end speed. To me, I wanted to get back to this evaluation, go to the roots of it and say, all right, what does this guy do well? Now he's 5'9 and change. He's 174 pounds plus. He plays bigger than that. I mean, he can play between the tackles. He's got good vision, good burst, good contact balance. There is a lot to like about him. He's a good utility back. He kind of fits what Lane Kiffin wants to do. He can play in an inside zone, outside zone scheme. Uh, and, and in terms of the utility as well, I think we're still trying to figure out, okay, what can he add in the passing game? But this is a guy that I think kind of fits in as a really nice wrinkle for Lane Kiffin in the green scheme of things. And I think he's going to be a really nice toy for him to play with. He's a slasher, right? He's a slasher. Uh, that's how I kind of view his running style. Um, and when I popped on the the junior stuff, Coop, that was the biggest question I had. I mean, he's got some burst. He can beat defenders to the edge, but is he? Does he have a true top end gear? Um, and then you go through the speed markers, and they're all right, but they're not great. Um, and he's he's explosive. You know, thirty three inch vert in Atlanta. That was one of the best out there. One twenty one. Uh, in the broad jump so he can move I just don't know if he's got that that that's what separates him maybe from the rest of the pack is is those speed markers I, I like this take for Ole Miss um, Quinson Judkins it was the same thing hey speed markers we know what Quinson Judkins did there as a true freshman in Oxford for the Rebels he had a a, 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 a huge season and I think if Chris Davis you, you put him in a committee it, it makes a ton of sense. And, and remember in the in the 2023 cycle, Ole Miss also side Kendrick Riscano, who we were, were super high on. So uh, I like it. Um, I, I think Ole Miss, you know, wants to wants to secure the border and, and, and they got Chris Davis in the boat. Great point on Kedrick Riscano, who I think is a name, Drew, that we should probably stamp right now for college football fans to know and especially fans in the SEC West. And opponents of Ole Miss, uh, they do a great job with those running backs. Quinchon Jenkins, obviously everybody's familiar with him, but Kedrick Riscano was a guy that really kind of heated up for us late in the process and our team really liked. So as Ole Miss kind of looks for the, the secondary running back to the primary and Quinchon Jenkins, Kedrick Riscano named to know as a freshman. Ole Miss not done linebacker Raymond Collins from the JUCO ranks. Also popped. He had offers from Akron, Southern Miss, and South Alabama. Drew, turning on that tape, the offer sheet did not match. I like this guy. 3-4 inside linebacker, quick twitch, maybe a little bit limited in space, but what he does well. 
Ole Miss is going to accentuate, and that's coming downhill. I mean, he is a physical, violent player who covers ground quickly. 46 tackles, seven for loss, two and a half sacks, two QB hurries in 10 games last fall. Even the production really kind of doesn't add up when you watch the tape. But this was a guy that was fun uh, and could be a guy that potentially joins Ole Miss in Oxford this summer. And I could see him really as a plug and play type, even if it's not as a full time starter. He's got a skill set that looks like he's physically ready to go. I agree. And if he doesn't join the team this summer, I think there's going to be more schools that uh, expand that offer sheet. More schools are going to get involved. I mean, Akron, Southern Miss, South Alabama, those are guys that it's programs that usually mine the junior college ranks right now. So they're they're looking ahead and, and maybe Ole Miss is trying to sneak him in. Uh, when I watched Raymond Collins, I thought, hey, the perfect 3-4 interior linebacker, that, that's where he's going to be. Uh, we talk, keep talking about Pete Golding, the new defensive coordinator at Mo- Ole Miss, comes over from Alabama uh, where he worked for Nick Saban. And, and I, th- I think he'd be the perfect fit there. He, he doesn't look like he's a really good athlete. He looks like he's just kind of an average athlete, uh, but he's instinctive. He consistently puts himself in the right place. And then I, I was going through, his, uh, going through his social media, and there's like, video of him throwing down dunks on the hardwood as when he was in high school. So uh, maybe he is a little bit better of an athlete than we initially thought, but you know, what gets me excited is Raymond Collins in the middle. And then next to him, you take one of our, our big freaks from the 2023 cycle. You line him up in, in Suntareen Perkins, who's a guy um, that can do everything in terms of play inside the hashes, outside the hashes. So future of Ole Miss's defense is, is starting to look, a lot brighter. Um, and that's been one of the big questions there in Oxford with Lane Kiffin. We know he's going to score points, but they, can they hold and limit opponents? Um, Pete, Do- Pete Golding seems to have the arrow pointed up when it comes to uh, that land shark defense. Rebs and Lane Kiffin up to number 19 in the 2024 composite team ranking. Six prospects committed. As Drew mentioned earlier, only signed 15 last year. Got to remember Transfer to the SIP. It's in. It's what everybody likes to do. All right, Drew, staying in the SEC West, Auburn. I feel like Auburn, man, they're, they're kind of getting it going. I kind of got my eyes on them, but they, they pick up another commitment, this time from four-star running back Jamarian Burnett, in-state prospect, number 10 running back, number 153 nationally. This guy that ran for over 1,400 yards and 17 touchdowns as a junior uh, and the year before, had over 2,200 yards and 12 touchdowns as a sophomore. Drew, similar to Chris Davis in terms of maybe where their role is going to be at the next level as a complimentary committee back, but very different in terms of physical stature and how they play the game. I mean, this is a big physical runner, inside runner. His nickname is Fat, as you mentioned, on the rundown. This is a guy that fits the really uh, the, the inside runner style between the tackles, uh, physicality of that conference. Uh, and, and I think there's a guy that Hugh Freeze is going to get a lot of run out of uh, on the planes. I, I love the fit. I love the idea of what Auburn's backfield could be in two to three years. Uh, Walker White, the quarterback that they have committed uh, out of Arkansas, top two, four, seven arm for us. You know, he's a He's built like Tebow, right? Like if you had to make a player comparison just on body type, uh, Walker White looks like Tim Tebow. I mean, he is he's rocked up in, in the upper half and, and he can run the football. One of the better dual threat talents here in the 2023 cycle. So now you you have him, uh, you have uh, Fat Burnett in the backfield, Jamarian. It seems like we know what Auburn is trying to do on the offensive side of the ball. Like they eventually want to be kind of physical. That's what it seems like. That's what it seems like to a talent evaluator's eyes. Like that's what they want to do. Um, I go back to this past season, you know, I was on the planes uh, for that game, Auburn versus Penn state, you know, tank, tank Bigsby got going. And, but then in the second half, you know, the tigers went away from him and it's like, why, why are you going away from him? So uh, I'm excited about what Hugh freeze might be trying to do with his offensive personnel remember cam coleman uh the new five-star wide receiver for us auburn is recruiting him as hard as anyone out there right uh now you could have qb1 running back one and wide receiver one if they're able to get cameron coleman in the boat uh you know reading auburn undercover as well i think we should point out that 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 jamarian burnett's probably going to be 
uh, one of two running backs in the class, but you brought up the committee approach. I think that's kind of the name of the game in college football right now, even though um, Jamarian's got a ton of ton of mileage already on the tires. I think he could come in um, and, and, and be a short yardage back for them, you know, get you four when you need three uh, and be a bully there in the red zone. War Eagle up to number 22 in the 24 2024 rankings. Uh, three others committed. Walker White, we mentioned. Amon Lane, cornerback out of Alabama as well. And then cornerback Jaden Lewis, who I really like as a guy that can play multiple positions on the back end. And you might be looking at Auburn right now and say, hey, they only have four commits. If I'm an Auburn fan, it's a, it's a positive sign that this seems to be a more slowed down, meticulous process. And the quality of these four guys that they have taken right now are up to par with anybody around the country. So really like the job that Hugh Freeze and his staff have done early on the planes. And like I said earlier, Auburn team to watch on the recruiting trail as they're just starting to get going. Another team just starting to get going. Drew, that's Florida. And this was a guy in safety, Josiah Davis, who the Gators nabbed over the weekend that you really like turning on the tape this morning. I think it's pretty easy to see. I mean, more of a projection right on the defensive side of the ball. But what you see on the offensive side of the ball, big physical player, a guy that rushed over 100 times for 890 plus yards, 12 touchdowns as well. He's got an 11-1-300 meter to his name. So when you look at the height, weight, speed combination, what this player can be, I thought this was a really solid evaluation by Billy Napier and his group. And this is kind of where they continue to live is this kind of gray area uh, and are very aggressive on the front end of the evaluation process, digging these type of players out, getting them committed early and then are committed to developing them. Once they get to campus, I think Josiah Davis kind of fits that mold of what they're looking for. I agree, Cooper. This feels very on brand for the university of Florida. And we, we gave the Gators a ton of love last cycle for, making those early evaluations and getting in the door early. I think that's the case with Josiah and Josiah comes from a very, very small town in South Georgia, uh, city of Nashville, not that Nashville, um, uh, the, the other Nashville population of just over 7,000 people. Um, Florida did their homework here, got him on campus multiple times and then sealed the deal. You brought up what he did on offense, right? He played some some quarterback, ran for over 800 yards, also threw a TD. Uh, he also returned seven kickoffs for touchdowns. Uh, I was doing some reading, and, and some people believe that is a Peach State record, seven kickoff returns for touchdowns. Normally you watch a highlight tape, and I hate when the first play is like a kickoff return, especially for a safety. Um, but the first five minutes of like Josiah Davis is, is all returns, but you, you got to watch it because he's this big guy running around uh, and finding the end zone. It's obviously rule uh, Georgia competition, but then you see him playing quarterback. You see him making people miss in space as a runner. Uh, and then finally you get to the defensive stuff and he's running around and, and mashing people. Um, very physical box safety to me. Uh, I like this take. I get more excited uh, about, you know, Josiah Davis in that Florida secondary than maybe I do some of those other guys they signed um, last cycle. And we liked what they signed last cycle. Remember Jakeem Jackson, um, yeah, top two, four, seven corner, Sharif Denson, uh, Aaron Gates, another kid that was from Georgia. But I, I get fired up uh, about this Josiah Davis take. And we also got to point out Florida had Jeremiah Smith, our number two overall prospect, number one ranked wide receiver, Ohio State commit. He snuck up to Gainesville last week for a spring practice and was was seen mingling with DJ Lagway, Florida's prize quarterback commit. So Gators, where are they right now in the rankings? They are number seven, number seven with not a lot committed. Um, but Josiah Davis, maybe we get more information there. I, I could see him shooting up potentially into that top two, four, seven, just kind of based on the tape. Do you see any Kamari Wilson in him? I do. Yeah, I I, I see – and this is going to sound super nerdy, but like I see what what Florida's secondary was. I mean, back ten years ago, when, when like Major Wright, um, you know, Keanu Neal, like these big box safeties that that are going to just go and and hit people. And I, I love, I like the fact that Josiah plays some quarterback, right? I I want that in my safeties, guys that can understand and read and diagnose. 
No, that's a good point. You know, Matt Elam, different different type of player, but I think play style wise kind of fits yeah. what you had just talked about. Keanu Neal, another another good one that you just brought up. Drew, I want to I want to mention something that you had briefly touched on, but to me, that's a big deal uh, having Ohio State commit Jeremiah Smith on campus. I mean, we're talking about number one receiver, number two overall player in the country. You and I had a lot of back and forth on where we should slot Jeremiah Smith in the top two, four, seven. I mean, this is a guy that you have used the word generational when describing him. You were very convicted on him. You've seen him live multiple times. I mean, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here. I Is this something, is it nothing you think, or is this something to, hey, we, we got to continue to kind of monitor Jeremiah Smith and maybe Florida's relationship, relationship here down the line? Well, this isn't the first time Jeremiah Smith has been at at the University of Florida, you know, he was at uh, Friday Night Lights this past July. I was there. I, I, when we came on this podcast and we talked about Kerry Colbert leaving Florida staff, he was the wide receivers coach who came from USC. Uh, you know, I, I thought that that was a blow for the Gators because Colbert had built relationships with these kids in South Florida. Now you have to bring in a new assistant coach and. Um, that assistant that, that took over is Billy Gonzalez, who spent this past season at, at Florida Atlantic. He's previously uh, was with Urban Meyer, Dan Mullen, kind of all around the SEC. So I, I think there's something to it. But, uh, you know, how much? I, I don't know. I, I think Jeremiah Smith, as long as Brian Hartline, Keenan Bailey, Ryan Day, those guys are in Columbus and, and, and zone six is the thing. I You know, I like my money on Jeremiah Smith headed there. So, you know. It's going to be it's going to be hard to pluck them from Brian Hartline just with the the development the lineage of receivers that they've had. We had the the interview a couple with, weeks ago, right? Yeah, with Pantone. Yeah. I mean, what did he say? Well, he talked about just once he well he talked a lot uh, about a couple different things. He talked about his ability as a relationship builder uh, and, and also just his ability to kind of get his hooks in and his ability to adapt to these type of situations, right? I think he kind of knows when to grab the fire extinguisher, throw some water uh, on a couple different recruitments. And obviously that's why they've had so much success at that position. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Drew, uh, last uh, note here in the SEC, University of Georgia, back-to-back national champs. They go to the offensive line. They pick up Malachi Tolliver, number 64 offensive tackle in the country. Looks like he's going to be an interior lineman out of Cartersville High School in Georgia. We got to see him in Atlanta. Wasn't a big focal point for us, but good thing for us. We get to go back, revisit the tape. Uh, a guy that checked in uh, six over 6'5 and changed 310 pounds plus. 36-inch arms, we kind of told you, a little bit skeptical on the arm measurements, Uh, 80-and-a-half-inch wing, 10-inch hands. Big boy, Malachi Tolliver, Drew, I think we can all agree, and a guy that has played the majority of his career at Cartersville at the right tackle spot. We've seen a little bit at left tackle. I would say a guy that has good enough feet to maybe give you some swing tackle versatility, but a guy also that when seeing live, I thought really struggled in terms of pass protection, especially when he was on the inside. So I think that's an area of his game where he's going to have to improve. But let's talk about what he does well. I mean, the body needs to improve. I think that's one of the things that sticks out first. But the feet, 
and his ability to bend. Uh, and then at the point of attack, I think a guy for his size that can get to the second level, and he's a mauler in the run game, right? Very physical at the point of attack. That's what Georgia wants to beat, uh, wants to do. They want to beat you up uh, on the interior. So I think this is a guy who fits. And I think Georgia's probably in a position where they're going to take multiple offensive linemen this year. So when, when you take that into consideration, I think this take makes a lot more sense. Right. I mean, Georgia, number one ranked recruiting class in the country. We, 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 we know what they're doing after winning back-to-back national championships. I mean, I think this is a guy that's going to need – uh, some years before he's ready to go. And and that's fine, though, if you're Georgia. Go back to what they took in the 2023 cycle. Monroe Freeling, a, a, a big-time offensive tackle prospect out of South Carolina, potential franchise corner protector. Bo Hewley, kind of in that same mold. Uh, and then they got you know some other names. Jamal Merriweather, we, we never really discussed him. He was a, a flip from UCF late. Uh, tons of traits with him, developmental upside. And then Joshua Miller, uh, a kid out of Virginia, who I, I would say is kind of maybe in that same mold as, as Malachi Tolliver. You know, is he? he's probably more interior, but maybe in a pinch could be a swing tackle for you. Uh, you know, we'll see how Georgia finishes this 2024 offensive line haul. But I, I've noted this in the past. You know, Stacey Searles is the guy that's now recruiting there, right? And it's, it's a lot different. Um, than Matt Luke, who was one of the best, and, and Sam Pittman, who was one of the best. You know, I think that's, I don't want to say it's a weak spot for Cyril's, but I covered him at length when he was at Miami um, and, and, and trying to get some big bodies down there. So just want to want to see how they finish it out. Tolliver, to me, makes sense. Again, goes back to what we talked about at the, first, the beginning of the episode and in terms of just being a down year nationally, it seems like for um, the big boys up front. So we list them at 6'3", 330, but didn't didn't Tolliver measure like 6'5", over 6'5", 320 or something? We're going to have to update that for sure. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of database uh, updates uh, to come in the future. Hey, back to Stacey Searles. It's not a shot at him, but you look at Georgia. I mean, they are lights out across the board. You look at uh, Del McGee, the job that he's done at the running back position. You look at Glenn Schumann, the job that he's done at the inside linebacker in edge spots. Uh, and you look at the defensive line as well. Um, or the safeties. <laughs> safety, right. You, you can go really top to bottom. And listen, we love Monroe Freeling. We love Bo Hewley. I think Georgia every year is going to be able to take one to two elite guys at the offensive line spot. Past that, I don't think they recruit the offensive line to that level of depth, if that makes sense, at, at that top tier type of standard. You know, there's takes like this one with Tolliver, uh, Griffin Scroggs last year that kind of make you say, hey, is there more out there for them, especially coming off back to back national champions? Did they have to take these type of guys at this point? That being said, they've done a really good job developing offensive linemen. They know who they are. You're not really in a place to kind of tussle with their evaluations right now. They've all kind of checked out. Uh, but sometimes. You know, you, you do kind of wonder a little bit, is there more leaf, meat left on the bone for where they are right now in terms of their status in college football? No, so we'll, I, we'll, that's we'll kind of, you said it better than I could. Okay. All right, Drew, a couple crystal balls uh, getting fired uh, over the weekend, and one of them pretty notable. Quarterback Jake Merklinger out of the state of Georgia and Savannah. Crystal ball to Tennessee. Drew, as you noted here, most starts of any quarterback in the top two, four, seven. 38 also owns a 29 and nine record over that span, multi-sport athlete across basketball. And I mean, if you're a Tennessee fan and let's talk about this for a second, like it's going to happen. I mean, for Josh Heupel, right. To, to go out and get Nico Emilieva last year and then to follow that up with a guy like Jake Merklinger, who I think is pretty different. I mean, you, you have to, start to feel pretty confident in Josh Heupel's ability to go out and be able to close on some of the top quarterbacks in the country. To me, I, I think Merklinger is kind of an, an impressive grab or would be an impressive grab after getting a, a Nico Iamalieva, right? And I don't know how many quarterbacks out there are, are scared of Nico, but it was well publicized, you know, 
his he was the the first real one with the NIL deal, right? And I think that could that could scare some names off. Um, Merklinger has been linked to a ton of different schools, North Carolina. You know, there's a time when Florida was in there. Uh, Georgia had offered. I think it would be an impressive get. Cooper, you mentioned it. He is a three-year starter, going to be a four-year starter there at Savannah Day. Um, I, I think he's someone that moves well in the pocket. He has the ability to run the RPO. He can make some wow throws. Um, just kind of a guy that's that's good at, good at a lot of things. Not sure he's really – elite at one singular thing, but he's experienced and he's more experienced. He has more experience than uh, pretty much every other guy in this top two, four, seven, aside from, uh, you know, a few other names. So we'll see what happens. I think if you're a Tennessee fan, you should absolutely be excited though. It's not easy to um, grab another blue chip quarterback after taking the one the year prior. A lot of SEC flavor on today's show. But we're going to mix in uh, a couple other programs. The Golden Domers, Drew. Crystal Ball coming for them and offensive tackle Anthony Knapp. And this is a guy just breezing this morning from a physical standpoint. Six foot four, almost 270 pounds. He, he kind of meets the criteria of what you're looking for, the length as well. And this is a guy, new uh, Notre Dame offensive line coach Joe Rudolph has definitely uh, targeted. I like the tape on this kid. I, I, I see the physical clay kind of fits the mold of what Notre Dame has typically done at the position, a guy that can get to the second level. He's long, a lot of physical development still yet to take place for him. But uh, with the spot Notre Dame is sitting in right now, I think this is a guy that is more of what they're used to at the offensive line pos position in South Bend. And if you're a Notre Dame fan, that's a very good thing. I I watched a ton of offensive linemen last week before, you know, I made my way to the Big Apple for uh, FAU's run. And Anthony Knapp, that's Knapp, that's how you say it. I had a buddy that with the same last name. He was one of my favorite to watch. Um, you know, I, I question how big is he? Is he is he a true tackle? Um, and got, got some measurements back from a school. I think you just read him off, what, 6'4"? Uh, right around 290 pounds, 34-inch arms, I, I think, is, is the other key indicator there. Um, and, and I've heard that he's got a 4-4 shuttle on record to go along with a 4-9 in the 40-yard dash. I mean, this would be – we talk about trying to find guys, right, um, find find the elite, elite offensive lineman. I think this is a guy that, that can move up in the rankings. I think it would be a nice snag for the Irish – talked about Joe Rudolph, uh, the new O-line coach for the Irish. He came from Virginia Tech, um, and when he showed up in South Bend, uh, Knapp was one of the first guys that he offered. So uh, Knapp will announce Wednesday, 4.30 on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. So uh, if you're interested to see where he's headed, check that out. He's also been to um, South or excuse me, North Carolina. He's been to a few games there. Indiana's involved, Penn State's involved, Virginia Tech's involved as well. But um, someone that's that's technically he's he's there. Self-reported 81 knockdowns as a junior while playing in Georgia's uh, 6A classification. We got to get knockdowns put in the uh, PFF, uh, you know, <laughs> statistics from now. On. I was like, I was like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, like the pancake concho, you know, he, he'd love that stat. All right, Drew, last one. Defense back, Jaden Hardy out of the state of Texas, crystal ball to Oklahoma. I like this cat. Three-phase player, does a lot of different things. He's just kind of uh, dusting off the tape this morning. Dude, Brent Venables in that defense, like, as bad as they were last year, I mean, in terms of the recruiting, I feel like it's it's been that good, as bad as it was on the field. The, their defensive recruiting is like, can't wait to see where these guys are in two to three years. And, and Coop, that's, that's exactly why I, I put him on the list, right? Uh, Hardy, um, again, poured through a bunch of, of DBs in, in recent weeks, and, and Hardy, to me, is one that sticks out and just – I, you know, I think he can do a variety of different things on the back end. Um, Steve Wiltfong was at the OT7 regional in Austin over the weekend. I think Hardy made a ton of plays for um, Team Raw that was out there. And, and there's multiple crystal balls in for the Sooners. And it, I, I just think about 
hey, they got PJ out of Boire up front. You know, they got all this talent up front, and and now they're going to start getting some guys in the secondary. That's exactly what Oklahoma should want as they gear up and prepare for life in the SEC. So just something I I threw on there at the end because I, I do think it's notable just how Venables and the Sooners continue to recruit on the defensive side of the ball. Drew, this felt like a back-to-the-basics show for us. <laughs> we hadn't had one of these shows in a while where it's just been 45 minutes of us just diving in, talking ball, talking commitments, talking crystal balls. It's back to what we do, man. It I feel is. like y- you've been traveling. I've been traveling. It's kind of been, you know, it's been brother-in-law got married this I call him my brother-in-law. He's not even my brother-in-law yet because I'm not even married. But my brother-in-law, you know, got married this past weekend. Hey, by the way, Willie Fritz, our podcast guest, last week. All right, so after I go sneak in a, a short round of golf, hole in one for the boy. You or Fritz? Me. Wait, you just how are you just now telling me this that you had a hole in one? Well, I saw you liked it on Instagram. I thought you knew. I thought you like chipped in. No. <laughs> par, par three, 127 yards, gap wedge. Did you buy everyone? Now? Did you buy everyone around? So here's the thing. Gonna get a lot of hate here. Snucking around by myself. Two guys behind me were playing. I hear a doink. It goes off the lower third of the flag pin. And I'm like, no way did that just go in. I look behind me, there's two bros flat bills on rope hats. So I'm like, did y'all see that? And they're like, that just go in. I said, I think so. I said, I'm not going to move. Keep an eye on me. Roll up to the next tee box, hit your shots, and we'll roll up the hole together. Sure enough, balls in there. You know, got him to sign the scorecard because I called my dad right after. He's like, get him to sign the scorecard. And that's exactly what happened. And I, I mean, I don't even know. I blacked out. I don't even know what happened the rest of the round. That was hole seven. So, I, how did you how did you not lead the podcast? Yeah, I, I had I should have. I had to hop in on this one, Cooper. A hole in one man for just starting hole playing. In one. Hole that in is, one for the boy. That's longer odds than FAU being yeah. in the Final Four. That is impressive. <laughs> that is yeah. People you started the podcast with that. You know, it's done a whole you, podcast just on your hole in one. You call your friends and your closest friends who you play golf with, and you expect them to be happy, and really none of them are. I'm happy. I know you are, but you don't really play golf like that. Lance is probably going to get off this show and be like, "Yeah, I've been playing golf. I've been playing golf for for, what am I? Twenty years, twenty-seven years old. I've been playing golf for thirteen years at this point, and uh, I've never had a hole in one. I've come close a couple times, but never had a hole in one. So, man, I I am jealous of you. I'm addicted. I'm addicted to the game, dude. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm waiting for the live tour to reach out. They're, at they're in Orlando point. this weekend. Did you know that? <laughs> live tour is? Yeah. You know I'm a live tour guy, dude. I'm not. <laughs> Neither am I. I'm teasing. I love uh <laughs> I, I love whatever golf, man. Sam Burns, big one this weekend at the uh at the okay. Dell in Austin. Okay. All right, all right, all right. We gotta run through these things here. What is the higher what do you what do you have a harder chance of doing? FAU making the final four, winning the Masters lottery. We're hitting a hole in one. Miss hitting a gap wedge on a short par <laughs> three. And not even uh, you know hitting anywhere on the green. I would I would say that one uh, Coop, honestly. Coop, my question is my question to you is: Did it feel good? Right, you swing, you make contact. Did it feel good? Did you say, "Wow, I just hit a good shot"? Whether it went in the hole or not, did you feel like you hit a a good shot with your gap wedge, or do you think it, like it the the hole was so short that I didn't really have time to think about it and I didn't put a ton of loft on it. Um, I knew it was in play. You know what I'm saying? Like I, 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 I knew balance. I was like, I what knew I was going to be, I knew I was going to be dancing. What kind of golf ball did you use? Mm, that's a good question. I had a <laughs> Pro V1. Great. No, I had, for whatever reason, I never buy these, but I had a, Neon yellow Shrixen Cal- Callaway Force Shrixen. No, I didn't know how to, no a neon Shrixen. yellow noodle. I'll tell you what, dude. 
the noodles, I understand why they're so affordable. I mean, you hit a noodle pretty hard. The, the ball cover comes off, man. And shout out to the noodles, man. They've got me through a lot of rough times. But goodness gracious, as the game starts to ramp up, you're like, all right, I can't play with noodles anymore. Um, so I'd, rather anyway, yeah, boys, I'd rather play with a range ball than a noodle, my friend. I uh, know. Hole in one. So Congratulations. Big time. Big time. Big, 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 big time for the boys. Um, Year of the Oyster Boys, man. Both getting married. FA in the Final it, Four. Hitting hole in ones. I mean, if you're going to put down a prop bet on the Oyster Boys right now, what's next? We're going to hit the lottery? <laughs> Might be time. Um, going to go get some scratch-ups. I know. Last thing. Just a quick reminder, if you want to subscribe to the show, also uh, leave a review on the show. Feel free to do that. We had a great review, which was like – it was a five-star review, but it was super constructive. I read it this morning. He's like, hey, love the show. I think uh, Drew and Coop also have a lot of fluff on there, but I understand why they do it. I was like, probably mentioning the fact of the last conversation we just had over the last five minutes. He's probably like, hey, let's just get straight to ball. But at least we had this conversation on the back end. But he also said that he heard a gasping over the last couple episodes. Like, I thought that was Pantone's mic. I think it was mine. Oh, I think it was mine. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to say that's on me. So I'm with AirPods today. Hopefully that's a little bit better. I got the road mic. And I, I'm not at home. Road mic's a little bit different. So all right, Drew. Final thoughts before we get out of here. And uh, hey, another great podcast guest this week. Fired up for that one. Yeah, man. I'm. I here's here's not my thought. Like. I think we're getting a a huge flurry of commitments moving forward. Like I think this past weekend kind of hit stuff into overdrive. Like we're going to be talking about a lot of commitments. You know that that's that's kind of my big picture thought. I feel like last year, and this is no last. It's not a criticism. I I just feel like guys are committing, but I'm not finding out about it until like 24 or 48 hours later. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but, you know, Jeffrey Rush, I'm like, okay, I like Jeffrey Rush. You know, oh, Chris Davis, I like Chris Davis. You know, some of these guys, the Armstrong brothers, I, I don't know. Last year, it just felt more in my face. Maybe I'm not as on Twitter as much. Maybe I'm a little bit more busy with my life. I don't know. Probably a good thing all in all. All right. But for Andrew Ivins, our director of scouting for producer Lance Glenn, boys are back in the saddle this week. Got the, the rust knocked off. Now we're ready for a big week. Make sure to join us tomorrow and on Thursday. Got great shows coming up. And for those guys on Purdue Attack, see you tomorrow. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving non stop goals highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.